to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com hey listeners nicoletta here i want to invite you and a partner or lover to join me on september 24th and 25th for a two-day partner-based retreat at a private seaside ranch in malibu you can find all the details and tickets at the pleasureconnection.eventbrite.com This retreat is designed for partners wishing to enhance pleasure in the bedroom and beyond, and it is specifically created for folks who are struggling to start or restart the conversation around sex, intimacy, and desire. No experience is required, just willingness for more. I'm hosting with two other pleasure experts, the canisexual Ashley Manta, as well as renowned behavioral therapist Lisa Rader. We know that most of us are not taught how to have great sex, but practice makes pleasure. Come join us to learn the skills to enhance pleasure and intimacy in your relationship. Only 14 couples will be invited, so come secure your spot today at thepleasureconnection.eventbrite.com. The discounted rate is available for the first three couples only, or find details on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars. That's thepleasureconnection.eventbrite.com. Thepleasureconnection.eventbrite.com. Hope to see you there. Thanks for tuning in. Sluts and Scholars is a sex-positive, shame-free educational podcast where we try to help you talk smart and fuck smarter. While we love to give advice and resources, please note that this podcast or any emails from us are not intended to be therapy or a replacement for therapy. Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars. I'm Nicoletta Heidegger, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and sexologist. And this week, I am excited to be joined by Erin Tillman, aka The Dating Advice Girl. She is an inclusive dating and consent empowerment coach dedicated to empowering singles to have fulfilling dating and relationship lives that meet their objectives. Relationships do not fit into a one-size-fits-all category, which you know if you listen to the podcast. And not every person is searching for the same kind of partner, connection, encounter, or lifestyle and she is dedicated to encouraging positive, consensual interactions that can lead to amazing connections and partnerships through easily applicable self-improvement, personal development, and boundary-setting techniques. And today we're going to be talking about everything from intimacy coordination to how to manage being single and what to do with that, uh, integrating back into the quote-unquote social world post-COVID with new partners and all sorts of things. Welcome, Erin. Hi, so happy to be here. (laughs) Very excited. Yes. Okay, so before we dive into some of the other stuff, I know that you, I didn't list this in your bio, but you have also been doing some intimacy coordination. And I feel like this is a hot, hot topic lately. Um, And people are always asking me, like, what the fuck is that? So (laughs) tell me about intimacy coordination. Like, what's that been like for you? Would love to hear about this world because I am not super familiar with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, thanks for asking. It's it's a whole lot. I just want to say to the listeners too. I mean, I've definitely there. Uh, if you Google search me, there's a lot that comes up. Not to be presumptuous, but you know, um, a lot of good stuff. <laughs> thank you. Yes, a lot of hopefully a lot of great stuff. People will think, but um, you introduced me as the dating advice girl, and that is how my career started. Um, over about. Uh, 10 years ago. Um, I started as a dating coach. I still do some dating coaching. It's evolved now to a certified sex educator. Um, you know, I've done almost everything you can do in the dating industry, quote unquote. I've, you know, I hosted speed, da- speed dating events and singles events early on. I spoke Yes, I was lucky to get to help Aaron at the other night at a cool speed dating event through the Bloom app, which I know you do work with. 
Yes, yes, yes. Kinky speed dating. So a, a bit of a twist on a, a traditional speed dating. Um, you know, speak spoken at colleges, uh, consult with dating apps. I am currently consulting with the app Bloom you just mentioned, which is part connection app and part events app for sex positive events and connections. Um, but yeah, I mean, so I've also worked in television for 20 years. So, you know, intimacy coordination is a very interesting career field that it's emerged kind of out of the Me Too movement, essentially, although it's been around, you know, for for decades in the theater world. Sadly, it's a new thing to want to protect actors uh, during intimate and nude scenes in television and film. It's it's new in the last few years. So essentially what it is, is, um, okay, so for the listeners, if you're watching your favorite TV show or movie and suddenly there's a naked scene. I think one of the biggest ones that people <laughs> were talking about for over the last year or two. Was, 365 days. Oh, okay. That's another one. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, speci- I don't know if they had an intimacy coordinator, though. Specifically the one, uh, the first season of Bridgerton. That was, everyone was mm. talking about the scene. I, yes, episode yes. three or four, I think, five, whatever. And All it was, of them, yeah. <laughs> right. And I was really impressed. There was one specific sexual sequence that lasted several minutes and it was like angles. And I mean, it looked so real. So there was a person on that set who helped choreograph and give the actors what we call modesty garments to cover certain body parts that they didn't want on camera. And, you know, talk with the DP director of photography in terms of like angles to avoid showing penis and vagina and various things. Whenever I hear DP, I know it's like something else in film, <laughs> but I just think of double penetration. So not, not that kind of DP. Not listeners. that DP, the other DP, but no, but it's important to clarify. Yeah, you need a DP to get the DP <laughs> and a good shot. Right. And so, yeah, so essentially people like me are on sets now um, to figure out what the what the actor's boundaries are, um, what they're comfortable showing on camera, which does go into their contract or their writer for their contract for the project. And then we're on set to make sure that, again, garments, body parts are covered that don't, they don't want to be shown. And just to make the actors feel more comfortable if they're interacting with an actor, you know, because it's a really nerve wracking thing to be making out with someone that you're not partnered with. This is, you know, we take for granted that actors are just supposed to go for it and just like, simulate sex with this person who's essentially a stranger so we're just there it's almost like a stunt coordinator is for stunt people um we're kind of we're the coordinators for sex stuff yes essentially yes how much of it is like protecting and making sure there's like ongoing consent and boundaries versus like how much have you been given some creative license to be like oh can we include this like to make sex a little more realistic. Like maybe she's not coming just from two seconds of penetration and maybe uh, we show them getting the lube out, you know, like how, what's the balance there? Well, usually because we're talking American mainstream media, there's usually not practical things like lube shots uh, (laughs) that are actually things you want to use in the bedroom listeners in your personal life. Um, Because everything in Hollywood is like, um, what do, how do I want to say this? Right. It's for, it's just, it's for the, it's fantasy. It's exactly. And so it's not realistic at all. And, and for the people who maybe aren't sure either, I've been asked before, like, is this like, do you go on porn sets? No, I don't. So anything I do, 
um, is because on, and again, I want to I don't want to assume that people know all the ins and outs of this, but if you're doing any sort of actual sex on camera that is porn, so anything that's on like Netflix or uh, mainstream television, mainstream films that are you know R-rated and below, it's not. There's no actual sex. Um, so we're coming in to simulate it and to make it look real. So, yeah, to your question, I mean, you know, I've had, it depends on the project. Some projects, certain specifically directors are like, ooh, Aaron, um, can you help with, you know, there was a scene I did on a, on, a, on a pretty big show not too long ago. And there was like the two actors are in a bed and she didn't want her nipples shown or um, vag shown. So it was like, we did what we, co- what I coined, um, sheet choreography. Oh. So the director was like, can you help us? I'm like, of course I can help choreograph with sheets. Like, so nothing <laughs> uncovered, of course. So that was great. The director gave me permission to, or gave me the go ahead to, to help choreograph. But some directors are very, very, you know, territorial about and that. And some don't want you there. If they're old school, they're like, right. why do we need this? Why do we want this now? Yeah. Typically, um, how do I, how do I say this in a PC way? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> if you have to think of that, then maybe it can't be said. <laughs> right. I'll, let's just say that there's a little bit of a generation gap in terms of who's excited about intimacy coordinators and who isn't. So I usually can figure that out. I can suss it out a little bit. And if that's the case and I just kind of like stay in my lane and I'm there for the basics and I don't try to do any directing or choreographing. So, yeah. But when they, when they do want you to, it's great. I did have a real fast. I did have a, a short film that I worked on and the team, they were younger, you know, a little bit green. And long story short, it was there was a conversation around what certain sex acts actually look like. Um, and they were, they were do, like showing it and they were saying, okay, now you get on top of her, he get on top of her. It was a cishet heterosexual scene. Um, and then do this. And I said, actually, it actually doesn't really go like that. You know, I just want to give you just, can I just, can I just show you what it would look like for real? They were, they were, they were happy to get the feedback. Let's just say it like that. You know, yeah. the worst thing I could do is see something happening. And then when the viewers are watching it, then they're like, that's not what it actually looks like. Right. Like, it doesn't look like that. <laughs> or, or people don't know what it's supposed to look like. And then they see that and then they think that's what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Um, it does sound like sometimes you get some, you know, some leeway to, to do some of that stuff. Um, what are some of like the common things that you think folks who are making films like don't know? Have there been like themes that you've had to be like, mm, actually, or like just issues that that seem to be common? I mean, gosh, that's a that's a hard question. You know, it, it just depends. It depends on the film. It depends on what the content of the film is. Yeah. Um, if it's more lighthearted or more serious. Right. Um, you know, I do feel like the thing that comes up the most that's not exactly an answer to your question is just this ongoing feeling that of of cancel culture Mm -hmm. and you know either producers or a network are nervous about um they're just trying to cover themselves legally so Mm -hmm. they're like oh intimacy coordination okay that helps because at least so is it is it required or they kind of you feel like they just do it to make sure they're covering their asses um it depends on the network depends that's the the pc answer Got it. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, but even, even actors, I had an actor who, um, uh, you know, a, a guy actor who requested an intimacy coordinator for a scene and specifically he was nervous about being canceled. He was like, I don't know much about cancel culture, but I just see what's happening out there. I have a family, I have a wife. 
if something were to happen where, you know, me and the actress, there wasn't a meeting of the minds, I just wouldn't want something to come back and ruin my career somehow. And I was trying to tell him that, you know, I understand your concern. It's valid. But also I was just trying to explain that generally speaking, generally, this is a big conversation, the thing I'm about to say, generally speaking, the people that get canceled are those that aren't taking precautions and trying to be careful and have no, those aren't the people getting canceled. It's the people who are kind of reckless with their behavior. And then when something don't give a fuck and feel like they can do anything they want and and then double down and don't have any remorse later. I mean, that's typically who's canceled. So I mean, the ideal in my mind would be that folks bring that on because they want to have this be great and to learn things and make sure folks feel comfortable and what a, what a cool thing that we can make this even better. And so it always is a little sad to hear that people are just doing it out of fear and to cover their ass. And even if they do it that way, I hope that folks can take something from it because at least you're there. Yeah. But ideally it'd be nice to hear that it was coming from a place of, I really care versus I don't want to be canceled. Some of both. And I would say more often than not, it is that it's out of a place of caring and safety and wanting your actor's best performance. Yeah. But it's not always the case. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not just for intimacy coordination. That's like in all aspects of life. Absolutely. The world, the world, the world. Okay. So let's, let's take it back a little old school then for like, I guess what I would say, like intimacy coordination, but for like your, your actual life. So (laughs) I know you're not doing quite the dating advice girl that you were doing before, but like, if you had to share some of your like top tips, maybe, um, for single folks, for dating folks that you can take away from your like 10 years in that space. Um, especially cause a lot of folks are, especially where we live in LA are like struggling right now. What would you say? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, and just to clarify, like, I, in my heart, like, I'm always someone who, even though dating coaching isn't my focus necessarily, I still do coaching, and it's more about connecting and whatever that looks like. Just because I feel like the word dating is very loaded now. Mm. It's a very loaded Say word. Say more about that. Um, you know, I feel like Gen Z has an averse triggering reaction to the word dating or an event if an event is a dating event or Mm. speed dating like we mentioned before like certain things are like too much pressure too much pressure and I think they see older generations like myself and older than me who have just been a disaster with things that were in the category of dating so they're like yeah no we're just gonna hang out and then we'll be in a relationship if we like each other. But it just takes pressure off. So so all of it to say... Now it's connecting. Are, yes, connecting. Exactly. And it's just, it's just you know what? It just gives you more options. Like, yeah. it's, it's not like... Like, if you go out with someone to dinner and it's just like, oh, we're just going to dinner just as a hangout, it, there's way less pressure attached than if it's like, oh, a date. Is this like my new beloved? Like, it's just, it's a little too heavy nowadays. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a very loaded word. Um, just like dating apps. So like we mentioned before, Bloom. Bloom is, they call it more of a connecting app than dating. Um, but I digress because really all of these topics could be their own podcast, to be honest. Like, I mean, there's such massive topics. Well, you'll just have to come back on and do more. Yes. No, I'd love to. And I know you used to do your own podcast too. I did. I did. It's so much work. So hats off, Nicoletta. Because I have help. Thank you. <laughs> but so to answer your question, yeah, I mean, you know, for anyone who's struggling with dating or just meeting new people and whatever that looks like for you. Um, you know, my best advice is to really get clear on what you're looking for. So as we're talking about this word dating, not everyone wants, you know, what it like in my mind or, you know, in your mind, listeners, when you're thinking about the word dating, there's a certain thing that comes to mind. 
not everyone has that same vision in terms of dating or what they're looking for when you're swiping on various apps and that kind of thing. So it's really important for you to get clear on what you want. So that could mean, you know, you are in a place where you're looking for someone who could be a permanent partner. It could mean that you're looking for someone just to have casual sex with. It could mean that you're look you're ethically non-monogamous and you're looking for um, a, a tertiary partner because uh, you already have a primary partner. There's just so, it could mean that you're looking for somebody that you could be kinky with that's submissive to you. It just means so many different things. So number one thing that I know, I've noticed through the years of coaching and doing all the things I do in the realm of dating is that people aren't really clear on what they want. Yeah, They have a general idea. So it's really important to get to hone in on that. The other thing that we, you know, you and I had talked about briefly um, the other day was that you know, in this post-pandemic era, even though we're still in the pandemic, kind of, sort of. But people um, are venturing out and things are <laughs> happening and events yes. are going on. Yes. And and a lot of people, the pandemic gave, it was a, a unique, obviously very tragic and very hard on a, in a lot of ways for a lot of us. But it also gave us an opportunity to really have some time to reflect on what we actually want. And who we actually are. There's a lot of people that I've coached and um, have done workshops with who are really kind of questioning identity in a lot of ways right now, or not even not even questioning. Some are questioning, and some are just evolving into something different. And so I think that's really a big part of this conversation too. As you start dating, connecting, mingling, and meeting people, are you clear on where you are currently now in terms of identities? So. Um, you know, maybe you are like, you know what, I feel like I'm leaning more bisexual, pansexual now when maybe there was a feeling or a thought, a small thought about it before, but it was not something you could take seriously at the time for various reasons, or you just didn't feel comfortable yet. And so, or maybe you're like, yeah, I really do feel like I'm more non-monogamous now. Great. Okay. So it's really important to get honest Mm -hmm. with yourself first, before you go, you're just going to save yourself a lot of time. And really just like save a lot of like hurt feelings potentially with other people. If you're just, you have a baseline understanding of where you're entering into. Yeah. And I don't know if you agree with this, but I would add to that. Like you don't have to be completely certain either. Totally. Like, yes, do some work to really get in touch with like, what are you looking for? What are your yeses? And even with all of that work, you might do that. And then all of a sudden be like, Oh, actually that didn't feel as good as I thought it would feel. And so like, if you're waiting until you have it all figured out or no, like then you might never date. So I feel like it's a balance of like figuring that out, but also like in real practice, shit's going to (laughs) change. Yeah. Yeah. I, I so appreciate that reminder. Like nothing is ever fixed. Never. Never. Like you could, that, and that's why I mentioned earlier, like where you I know therapy, to- therapy is like doing the dishes. It's like, I thought I fucking cleaned this already. And then there's 10 more dishes <laughs> and then there's still more dishes and still more dishes. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And, and just leaving room for a, like evolution. I feel like our parents' generation and before, of course, any older generations were brought up in a time where you're this thing and you're this thing forever. You're in this relationship and you're in this relationship forever. That's not what it is now. It's very different. I feel very lucky that I'm a part of at least this this era where we have more options. And also, I want to say, I mean, I do live in Los Angeles and there is a lot more freedom here than some other places that people might be listening from. And so I just want to just say that I, I recognize that not everyone has the freedom or the uh, safety to be or the safety. That open. That's right. But, but yeah, to your point, definitely 
have an open mind and know that what you're choosing now isn't necessarily what you need to be choosing even a month from now. Just be as clear with yourself as possible and with the people that you're involved with. It's so important. Yeah. So do you feel like people that you've seen maybe in this space are putting less pretenses on and starting to be like, oh, now I want something different and it's okay to like want that and try to go get that. Um, I know at the kinky speed dating thing that that um, we went to recently, like there was a lot of people who were, it was like their first time or whatever and, and really feeling and talking to them and, and hearing that they were just like, I've liked this, I've wanted this or I've liked this stuff for so long and now I'm finally venturing out. It yeah. seems like though people, I don't know, on the, on one hand, it seems like a lot of people are really like awkward and struggling during and post COVID times because they're like, how do I reintegrate? But a lot of other folks are like, fuck it, life is short. I've been putting this off for too long and I, I like need connection. Yeah, I mean, I think it's some of both. I mean, you know, it is a brave thing to venture out after two years of isolation, essentially. Yeah. And I think the, the people, just for anyone who's feeling like nervous still, um, about social interactions, like the people we're talking about who are out at these events, like they're still nervous. They're not at events being like, oh, I've got it all figured out now. No, 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 no. Like we all have, even me, I'm a very social person. I'm a very extroverted person. Yet I still walk into environments sometimes where I'm nervous because it's just, it's just like, like, okay, now what is this group going to be like? And I haven't had this specific kind of interaction potentially in a while. So I'm nervous too. We all have that. So that's a normal, I want to normalize that feeling Mm -hmm. for even, even sex educators like myself, therapists like yourself, Yeah, you know, we walk into spaces and still are like, hmm, still human beings. (laughs) Surprise. We're still human. Exactly. (laughs) Shocking. I know. Right. So, so yeah, I mean, normalizing the feelings of nervousness on dates in new social settings, et cetera. But yeah, it's definitely, I, I, what I'm witnessing that I love is that I feel like a lot of people of all ages are in a place where they're open to exploring new things or at least questioning what they did before in terms of, is that the way I really want to live? And if it is, that's great. But also maybe there's something new that I didn't know about that I want to learn about now or a different type of relationship I want to know about now, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of thing, which is great. One reason that I see a lot of folks not going to events is I don't know, I guess the the clients of mine who are like serial app daters or people who are, have tried a lot of things, like they really want to be connected. They really want to be partnered and they, they feel like they've tried a lot of things. And I I guess that's sort of subjective of what is a lot of things. Um, And they feel like it's, it hasn't manifested into what they want. And so I'm seeing a lot of folks who are like not wanting to put in the effort and the time and the energy because they think it's not going to happen. And then on the flip side, some people don't put in the time, effort, and energy because they're afraid that it is going to happen, that they are going to connect and they're afraid of that. Um, Any tips for folks who are kind of feeling just like down and out about the prospect of being single forever or never finding connection? Like where where do those folks start and how how can we help them get back into a space of connection? Yeah. I mean, that's a really good question. Like, okay. So again, back to me being human, even though I've worked as a sexuality professional. So I went through a pretty rough breakup a couple years ago. Um, I definitely like 2021 last year, last year time is like crazy. I know what Uh, years, what year is it? What year, what day, what week, what? Yeah. Um, but I, I went through a really, a big grieving process during that 
And so there was a time, most of 2021, where I was very negative about relationships. I avoided dating. And I think that was the best choice for me because I think that you're going to, you're just, you're just going to, I don't want to use the word win, but that's the word I want to use is win. You're going to win and just connect with more people if you're in a, a more um, settled, healthy, positive mindset. It doesn't mean that you're like, oh, the world is like rainbows and sunshine. Yeah, and I've figured out all my problems. And right. I mean, I, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I would call it um, for folks who maybe don't know, go back to, um, let's see, an episode with Jennifer Burton Flyer, um, where we talk about polyvagal theory um, yeah. and trauma, but it's basically like the part of our brains that's responsible for social engagement and connection is turned off when we're in fight or flight. So yeah. that doesn't mean that you have to be perfect or whatever to connect with people or be deserving of connection. But if you are in a space of fight or flight, you just might not have the capacity for connection. Yeah. The word capacity that comes up a lot for me too, in conversations like this, but yeah, I mean, I agree completely. It's, it's a play, it's a thing of just being honest with yourself. If you're, if you're open to meeting people and open to meeting people that you're not interested in, you know, I think I mean, that I, is the key that, open to meeting people you're not interested yeah. in. Yeah. Because I mean, it doesn't mean that you have to like go on dates that you're not enjoying. It just means that you know, if you go on a date with someone that isn't exactly what you want, is that going to send you down like a tailspin, like downward spiral? Or if you're maybe in a better place where you're more open to dating, Mm -hmm. then if you go on a bad date, it's like, oh, well, that sucked, you know, but oh, you know what? That's not, not everyone's meant for me and I'm not meant for everybody. So what's, who's the next date going to be? It's a, it's a matter of kind of assessing that mindset because honestly, here's the thing I would say too, like in my dating coaching, if I put my dating coaching hat back on, you know, the point of dating, if we're dating or wanting to connect with people is to meet someone that we're going to have fun with. And so, you know, a lot of times, even on dating profiles, here's a quick tip, you know, make sure that whatever you write on your dating profile, your profiles is somewhat positive. There's so many profiles you go through and it's just like, I don't want this and you better not be that. And it's like, dude, that's not fun. Like that's opposed to what you want. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is not sexy and fun at all. Like, so why it is marketing. It's like, what is going to be the best way to market yourself to get someone to maybe say yes to you. And I know that sucks to think of it that way, but that's what it is. People have like literally what, three seconds to look at someone and maybe peruse their website, five seconds. So it's gotta be your best foot forward. And if you're in a not so good mindset about dating, it's, it's just, it's why, why waste your time? It's a waste of your time. So just, just knowing mm, maybe I should just take a break from this for a couple months. And then if you're in a better headspace, then go for it. I think it's really important to like know oneself in that way. Thank you to Dipsy for helping sponsor this episode. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash S&S. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories. This episode is all about dating and connecting when you are ready for and wanting that, but sometimes we just need and want some connection with ourselves. Even if you are dating someone, I am a big believer in taking yourself on sexy dates. One way I like to do that is listening to erotic short stories, and they release new content every week. They have the 
sexy voices of folks like Serranus J. Jackson, ER Fightmaster, Luke Cook, and so many others. They also have sleep and wellness stories too, if that's your pleasure. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering that extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash S&S. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories dot com slash s-a-n-d-s dipsystories.com slash s and s now back to the episode i mean in that way i guess gen z has it right that maybe we do need to take and move it away from the word dating and into connection because like yeah. you said that does leave it more open to this idea that we're just looking for connection and so in that way even if it's not a connection that you want to continue or that you want to pursue that we just need more connections in this time in the world and then during the pandemic and in our life. And so then there's no failing because you're like, I'm just a human trying to connect with another human. And we tried to connect. Maybe we did connect. It's not a lasting connection as opposed to, like you said, the pressure of the dating and where is this going to go? But more like, can we just be two humans trying to find some way to exist in each other's space and periphery and connect um, because we need that. We're, we're social beings. Or is this someone I would want to like collaborate with? Is this someone yeah. who's going to be a great friend of mine? Is this someone who might be a good match for a friend of mine? Like there's just so many other things than just like, is this the one? And yeah. early on in my career, especially in the, again, there's been such an evolution around dating and connecting and even the way like these various apps have, have emerged since you know like match.com and the and the the early ones there was only, there were only a few like plenty, yeah, plenty of fish yeah right okay, exactly. Cupid, eHarmony right. eHarmony and so a lot of a lot of those are more traditional and and I'm not endorsed by any of these other I work with Bloom as I mentioned before but all this to say there's certain niches that each of these fit and originally when dating sites came out and this is where I start to feel kind of old uh whatever uh, there was this mentality of like find your partner find your husband find your wife find the one and that mentality I just feel does shift us into the the place more of oh no is there nobody for me I'm looking for this ideal perfection person that's mm-hmm. perfect of like Disney caliber blah, blah, blah. And it's like Gen Z sees through that bullshit. You know? <laughs> and I appreciate that very much because it's just more relaxed. It's like, who are we going to connect with? It might not last forever. Okay, great. Like, let's enjoy it for what it is. And that mindset there, it's, it's actually pretty liberating and there's more freedom attached to that mindset. What do you think helped you figure out when you were ready to get back into dating? Cause I know you said you, Ooh. you felt like you took a pause after the bad <laughs> breakup. And again, everyone's different of when they feel ready, but like, how did you know when you were like, I want that again? That's, an excellent, that's an excellent question. Um, or maybe you, maybe you thought you were, and then you were, you realized more that you weren't. And that signified you needed more time. Lana, I feel like you're in my head right now. It's like, cause I actually, yes. <laughs> I was speaking from myself because I've definitely done that. And again, like I said, I don't believe in this bullshit trope of like that you have to be, you have to love yourself first because self-love is an ongoing muscle process. But I've definitely been in spots where I just like wanted companionship or connection of some kind and that the pain or the experiences from being alone or from the breakup like led me to that. And then when I realized how it was showing up in those connections because I hadn't worked on some of the healing stuff, I was like, this doesn't feel ready in the way that I would like to feel ready, but I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to stop. I think what I want to say without divulging too many details, 
identifying details of people I've dated. Um, shout out to y'all. <laughs> right. Shout out to everybody. I think that I'm definitely a, I'm definitely a proponent or a believer in timing. And I think the people who showed up showed up for a certain reason in a certain way. There were certain people that showed up that I think would be maybe put in the category of rebound. But I there was like something deeply fulfilling that that I got from those interactions. They were not never going to be permanent. Um, and, so, and some kind of connection. Right. And I think that's the tricky part because especially in for anyone who's rebounding or just maybe um, reemerging into dating, you know, there can be certain connections that can be confusing. And sometimes it's really important to identify that, oh, this is someone really interesting, but there's certain qualities they might have that might not be something I want permanently. So, mm-hmm. it's, and it, I'm, I'm speaking very, very analytically right now. I'm a very analytical person with a big heart. So lots of empathy and, and, and emotion, but also, also a lot of like calculating. And so for me, I, I am better at being like, oh, Aaron, okay, so compartmentalize this this interaction because this is probably ultimately not going to be a really good fit for you in terms of your, your heart, but in mm-hmm. terms of sexually or uh, short term, this is great. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I have, I'm pretty skilled at kind of seeing that for myself and maybe pulling back a little bit if I can see that, oh, this is not practical. Yeah. That's hard for a lot of people though. Once you're in and you have a connection in some way, if the sex is really good or you're just having a lot of fun together, that can we can make that into a relationship, but it might not be necessarily a great fit for us, like ultimately. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I'm speaking not knowing any of you who, who are listening and not knowing what actually might be great for you. So again, it's just, again, self-awareness and just self-work, having a therapist, like all these things are so helpful for whatever journey you're on. I didn't answer the question though. The full short answer of the question is, um, I think I think it happened earlier this year. Actually, I was kind of starting to date again a little bit. I like dated somebody last year. It went for a while. I was like, nope, I'm actually really not ready to date. And then sometime this year, I was like, you know what? I actually really. I remember there was like a moment, maybe a few moments where I was like, it would really be nice to have a partner. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm ready to have somebody potentially that I could share things with or have a more like uh, partnered relationship with. And that was the first yeah. thought I'd had since my breakup last year of that specifically. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, we're sort of talking with the assumption that like people know what they want. And I think right. a lot of people do. I think a lot of people do know what they want, but they haven't slowed down enough to like know what the yeses and the nos and what actually they want and feels good. But any suggestions for folks who are like I who are saying they don't know what they want or they don't know what they're looking for, but they know they want connection? Yeah, I think this is where I think this is where going on dates is helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like you know, because then it's like if you if you can go on dates and kind of remove yourself from from uh, is this the one outcome? Yeah, right. Then you can kind of like see. Okay, this person had really great qualities. I like that about them. Yeah, what did I like about that? The curiosity. Yeah. Right. And so you can kind of like piece, like, like Frankenstein <laughs> style, piece certain qualities together in your head of, oh, I like that person's thing. I like this thing. I like this. Um, I think the other thing too, is just, again, like I'm a big journal journaling person with some of my coaching clients. Um, I, I do have some worksheets, which, um, 
Anyway, I do have some worksheets that are helpful to just like sit down and write down like what you actually might like if you're thinking about like past relationships. Um, so this is helpful maybe for listeners. Think about some of your past relationships and some what qualities were helpful or not even helpful, what qualities you liked in a past partner. Um, that could be a really great starting point. And again, you know, if you're, if you can, if you can, if we can be in a place where we can be very honest about who we are now today, identities wise, um, you know, uh, what kind of ideal relationship or connection we're looking for right now. And again, be audacious. Like there's a lot of us that come from shame filled backgrounds or super religious backgrounds where we're not able like to think that you might only want sex right now is, is like, how dare you think that? Like, be audacious. If that's what you want, that's what you want. And be honest about it because then it'll help you kind of figure out like what things attached or attached to that. Like, again, what qualities, what kind of person might fit into those things. But if, you're, if we're not honest with ourselves around that kind of stuff, then it's hard to even know what qualities we're looking for, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm personally a big fan of like community events. Um, I think dating, I like to tell clients that I think like dating apps can be one item on the menu. Um, Sometimes it's folks only item and they're happy with that. And that feels like enough for them. And if that's filling enough for you, great. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think for folks who are like annoyed with the apps or struggling with the apps or or disenchanted with them, like let that be one menu item. But like my personal preferred menu item is community events, Um, especially because then there's no necessarily pretense I guess of like everyone is here for connection and like you said then even if something doesn't work at least you're finding some of your people potentially or or other folks who can connect with in other ways so I know that you are currently the executive director for uh, a group called SPLA which is Sex Positive Los Angeles part of like a bigger I don't know if if I would say franchise but a bigger organization like Sex Positive World and it's been in many different permutations but what what is SPLA what are some like events and things that they do so so folks can if you're living in LA but even if you're not find something equivalent in your city yeah, yeah. No, I, I want to thank you for bringing that up. And I will say more about that. I want to go back real fast. Community events. I agree. It goes back, though, to knowing what you want and who you are. Because what kind of community event, right? Are we talking a munch, king style? Are we talking a And for folks who don't event? know, what is a munch? Um, a munch is basically a casual get together at somewhere that's not a dungeon for king <laughs> folks um, to just basically chat and eat or get a drink like a happy hour or something and you know everyone in that group is interested in bdsm or kink in some way or non-monogamy they have non-monogamy munches non-monogamous so but again so so again it goes back to because i'm with you i love events and i love doing things in person and i agree like you said it's a very low pressure way to meet other people that isn't specifically dating Mm -hmm. but it's really important that you know like if if you're not into kink don't go to a munch right so it's really important to know what community events you're going to go to which again goes back to self and knowing self first, mm-hmm. right? So SPLA, which is the perfect transition to SPLA. So Sex Positive Los Angeles um, is a, a volunteer nonprofit here in Los Angeles. It's been here for about a decade now. I've, I took it over about a year ago as executive director. And essentially, we host educational and social events around the topics of sexuality, identity, body positivity, consent, non-monogamy, like anything I won't say anything, a lot of things under the umbrella of what the term sex positivity currently means. That, mm-hmm. t- that term has evolved 
over the years, but essentially sex positivity is to be sex positive is to be encouraging of whatever someone is choosing consensually under the umbrella of sexuality that's, again, consensual and not doing harm to someone else. Yeah. So if someone's asexual, that's great. Like, Yeah, you could so, be sex positive and not having any sex. <laughs> absolutely. And so, you know, but if someone is, you know, uh, an ethical slut and, you know, polyamorous, great. We were to applaud them as well. So it's, it's basically embracing sexuality and identity in whatever form that is for you. Um, yeah. And, and if, if somehow anyone listening has been following me since the beginning, shout out SPLA, not when you were there, but I used to do work with them with a group called sexual health Alliance. And then we also did a trivia night, which I think we should bring back at Akbar called. So you think you can fuck, Yes, which was great, but there's so many cool things that they're doing now. Um, and yeah, see if your city has a chapter of some kind of sex positive thing. If that is, I'm guessing it might be if you're listening to this podcast. Um, so maybe that's you. Yeah. And I mean, we do, we did a Tantra 101 uh, about a month ago. We're going to do another one in a couple months. I, I host a, a kink for newbies. Um, we're doing one tonight, actually. Um, but that's once a month at a venue in West Hollywood called 910 WeHo, which is like a high-end upscale dungeon. Um, that also is very, very interested in education. Me being a sex educator, the basis for everything I do is helping, as you can probably tell from this episode, um, expand knowledge and encourage people to find their truth within sexuality or an identity and all the things. There's just too much. We don't learn any of this. I don't want to go on a huge tangent, but we don't really learn or teach any of this. Like if you think about your own sex ed way back, oh, yeah. most people's sex ed was very limited. Don't get pregnant. Um, you know, use a condom, maybe if you were, unless you were in like deep South, then there was like abstinence only, you know, um, STDs are scary. And only anal. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so it's, so it's like, so where do we even learn about ourselves and what we're interested in and who we are? We don't, we hopefully learn through a good source on the internet, maybe, or maybe if we have a sibling that's well-informed, which is maybe not so likely, or maybe if we have a parent which is a super small percentage that is really open about talking about the stuff and super informed, but we really don't learn this stuff. So my, my mission, I, I know it's my purpose to just help people find, find where they're comfortable and what is in alignment for them on this journey of identity, mm. you know? So. Yeah. And I guess coming back to both SPLA and like dating or connection tips is like, how do we kind of first start that? Right. I mean, I would, I'm biased. I would say like, go to a therapist um, or a coach, but like, yeah, any things that helped you or that have helped uh, clients that you've worked with or people that you know of like taking those first steps to, to connect with their identity, to know what is their thing and what feels good. Yeah. I mean, I'll use my, I guess I'll, I'll share a little bit about myself. Like I'm queer and pansexual. Um, I think I've always been, I grew up in small town, Ohio, where again, there was limited teachings about any of these things. My mom in particular is, I'm very lucky. She's, we're, she's the best. I'm very lucky. She's so supportive. Um, uh, so I never really felt like I couldn't be myself. I know not everyone has that experience, of course. Um, but even, even back in the day, I mean, I grew up in the eighties, eighties and nineties. And I remember like, there's a lot of andro what the word we would use back in the day, androgyny. And I was always really attracted to that and really interested in that. But there wasn't yeah. a word for it for myself, especially as a teenager or younger, whatever. 
And so now as I look and I look at who I'm attracted to and who I'm dating, I'm like, oh, Aaron, this isn't new for you. So when I was saying that before about, you know, things can evolve. Yes, it can. I mm-hmm. do feel like there's certain things in us that are already probably have been in us like forever, but maybe we just didn't we didn't see it the same way as, as we can now, you know, yeah. being older and, and having more experiences and also with language evolving and, and categories evolving and changing. So um, I think my, my exploration, I've been in Los Angeles 20 years. I've been invited to a lot of parties and gatherings. Um, also, again, I'm very nerdy about education. So I read a lot of books. You know, I, I am a very experiential person. I I try to say yes to any any invite I get to like an event or workshop or gathering, I try to say yes to as long as it feels safe. There's definitely some things I've declined because I'm like, mm, that's not for me. Yeah. But I think that within that, as long as there's a feeling that I don't have to necessarily participate in everything that's happening at an event, I think that's where I've learned uh, besides reading. Experientially, going to events have been the main way I've learned about myself. Because if you're at an event and you see certain things happening – if you're in a kink space, you can witness and be a voyeur as to what's happening. I'd be like, oh, that's interesting. I'm, I'm curious about that. Or, ooh, I'm 100% not interested in that needle play that's happening over there. But so you kind of get to see where you might fit in certain things. Or if I'm at, you know, a, sex, a sexy party and I see certain, you know, sex acts or certain things happening in certain areas or whatever, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm more aligned with that, but not that. I think that's a really interesting, as long as it's, as long as it's okay to be a voyeur, because some spaces it's not okay. But if you're able to be a voyeur and observe in different scenarios, I think you can really learn a lot about what you're into and not. Also, I'll say real fast, shout out to the yes, no, maybe lists. They usually are, I think, I feel like they, I've heard about them more, experienced them more in kink settings, but essentially what it is, and just Google search yes, no, maybe there's a ton. Yeah, and of- I would, I would shout out past guests. Bex Caputo, who has a yes, no, maybe list. Um, I would say it definitely includes a lot. So that's definitely for more maybe kinky um, or folks who are at least open to like learning about those terms. Yeah. And so essentially what it is. Otherwise, oh, there's another good one. Auto auto straddle, (laughs) I think. Yeah. So, so, but shout out to your guests who have them. That's great. Yes. Um, But so, yeah. So essentially what it is, is like, it's a list of a bunch of different sex acts or um not even sex acts, sexy things or kink related things that you have in categories of yes, no, and maybe. So you can basically, it, that's a really cute idea for someone maybe you just met too, because it can be really nerve wracking, even for those of us who are professionals, sometimes to talk with somebody new about what we're into and not. So there's, you know, it can be a cute thing of like, you have a yes, no, maybe list. You're like, here's your yeses, here's your nos, here's your maybes. And then you're like, hee hee. Here's my list. Can I see your list? Like yeah. potential play partner. And then it can be a cute way of like seeing where you align. And yeah. also just get- walk up to strangers on the street. <laughs> <laughs> I don't encourage that. I know, I know. <laughs> it's not consensual, but I love it. Like, but but no, like, excuse exactly. me. Here's my yes, no, maybe list. I'm just wondering if you could fill this out where you're sitting at the bar waiting for a drink. <laughs> maybe after this we could talk about our preferred ways to approach and be approached before right. we wrap up. Uh, I love it. But yeah, so but those, I mean, so yeah, definitely being a voyeur, observing consensually and, and yes, no, maybe lists or just kind of, and reading, reading a lot of different books around topics, again, that feel in alignment for you, for sure. Yeah. I, one thing I would add to the yes, no, maybe list, and I just kind of 
I don't want to say figured this out, but like found the words for it recently. Cause, um, if you've listened to the podcast before, I've talked about erotic blueprints, um, go back to those episodes with Ian Ferguson or, or just Google that. Um, but for folks who are more of the sensual variety, which if you don't know what that is, look it up so you can know what I'm talking about, but maybe people who are a little less, um, overtly into looking at a list of sexual acts, but more think about how they want to feel and are really more into the sensations. Um, I don't know if there's a yes, no, maybe list out there that, that looks like this, but um, I think Dr. Jess O'Reilly talks about this too, but instead of being like, what do I want to do? Think about how do I want to feel? So you might not know exactly what you want to do or like be certain about it, but more thinking about how do I want to feel before, during, or after some kind of connection? Do I want to feel teased? Do I want to feel excited? Do I want to feel angry? Do I want to feel a little frightened? Do I want to feel safe? Do I want to feel relaxed? Um, and maybe help letting that sort of um, guide you as opposed to like spanking versus oral versus pinching versus punching, you know, whatever. Yeah. 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 And I mean, Nicoletta brings up a really good point. I mean, everyone learns and processes differently. So as I mentioned before, I'm a very analytical person. Um, I definitely am a very, sensations are a big thing for me too, and experiential things, but I definitely am someone who likes a list and likes Mm -hmm. to look at things. So if you're someone like me, (laughs) a list, yes, so maybe list is great, but I, I think, I think ideally, right. The best thing would be to mesh the two. feel like what sensations would you like to feel? And then maybe there is an actual act or scenario that matches up with that as well. You know, I think that's the goal potentially, you know? Yeah. Okay. Last, last official question before we wrap up, but it made me think of it. And again, we are just two people. These are our individual preferences. So I'm not saying this will work for everyone, um, but I know it's scary to approach people, especially as we were talking about in this world where folks are worried about cancel culture or they are afraid of rejection or are just really rusty because of COVID um, or just, yeah, not feeling confident with themselves. What is your favorite way to be approached by someone who wants to express some interest in getting to know you and connect with you? I feel like the first thing that comes to mind is how not to approach me. Cause I, <laughs> okay. Hey, you I'm said like, we're not supposed to say the knots. Okay. I know. I know. I know. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not even going to go there. It's just like, I'm no, no. Block. Say it. What's the, what's the knots? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I've, I've had a barrage of just like, just like aggressive messages on FetLife in particular lately. Um, and for folks listening, I know this is a back to basics episode. FetLife is like a, again, a community website. Don't love their interface, but it's kind of the OG for people who are kinky. Kinky Facebook. It's like yeah. kinky Facebook. So there's events on there. There's people on there. You can friend them, et cetera. But there's a ton of events. I mean, I go on there mostly for events. Yeah. So on my profile, I have, you know, I'm listed as more dominant, um, et cetera. I'll just use that one example. And the, the amount of messages I get specifically from men who are also dominant, I say I'm specifically looking for submissive people and some will not even hello. I'll just get a picture of their anus or something. (laughs) Will you peg me? And I'm like, this is so disrespectful on a bunch of levels because why? I'm like, I hate to laugh because it's so, it's like it's assault, ridiculous. but yeah. it's just like. <laughs> well, and for one, I mean, not to mention protocol. And again, if this is for the newbies, just know that if somebody, if a, especially if a woman, someone or someone presenting like myself says they're dominant and looking for a submissive, the way to approach is to be extremely humble and gracious Respectful. Hello, mistress, or hello, ma'am, or something with a greeting, not just your butt, okay? Like, I mean, oh my God, 
Anyway, as a hello, mistress. That. Here's, would you like to see a picture yeah, of my yeah. asshole? Yeah, yeah. Or just like, I mean, like, uh, hello. I can't believe I'm even saying this. Like, just maybe just don't ever do that as your first message. Like, it's just not okay. Okay. So don't do that. Okay. That's what we yeah. not do. Okay. None of us. Don't do it. If it's in person, <laughs> don't just show your asshole to somebody. You know, this is. <laughs> yeah, just blanket. Can we all agree on this? Okay. Yes, so, I think so. So, um, good approaches. So, you know, the polar opposite of that example is, you know, someone who messages, especially if we're talking about an app or something, messages me, they've read my profile. So there's some knowledge about what I'm about or like what my name is or something like what, like I would just humbly like to, you know, whatever. Um, or just if it's on a regular app, Hey, you know, your profile just really stood out to me. I noticed this about it, whatever, like would love to continue the conversation or grab a coffee or a drink or something like something short and sweet is great. If I'm in person, um, I don't get approached a lot in person, actually. I, I've been told I'm a little intimidating, so that's a thing. Mm-hmm. But the times I have been approached, I think what I prefer... Even at events, there are specifically, like, for that? Yeah, I don't... No. It, it's, mm-hmm. it, it's, it, it doesn't happen a lot. And every time I tell people, like, really? I'm like, yeah. It, it's so... So, what you know what, Nicoletta, this is what happens. Somebody from the Kinky Speed Dating actually messaged me after it. That's, mm-hmm. that's typically what happens. Someone will see me somewhere, not approach me at all, and then message me later on FetLife or Bloom or some other app and say, hey, just wanted to say hi. I, I saw you at the thing, you know, whatever. Yeah. So that's cute because at least I'll, I'll be like, oh, yeah, I remember your face or whatever. Yeah. But if I'm out, it, usually what I do ap- appreciate, if I'm out somewhere, someone, if they approach me and say hi and then maybe leave and say, oh, I'll be over here. Come see my, you can come hang out and say, hi, I'm with my friends over here and they leave me alone. That's interesting. Mm, it's yeah. Like, then you have some time to like process yeah. that and make a decision. It's right. Decisions and options. So it's like, they've said hello. They've made themselves known. I like that. Away. <laughs> yeah. So I want to say hi later. <laughs> I want you to just go away. <laughs> no, no. So, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, you know, especially for the, for the, the, the men out there or the, the mask, mask folks, the masculine identified folks out there, it is harder. It can be trickier. So definitely. And again, like Nicola said earlier, everyone's different. I definitely don't appreciate a super aggressive approach. I just don't. Some people do like something that's a little more aggressive. So again, it's important to feel people out and to get, give people options. Don't come on too strong. If you want to approach someone, do it take a break. You can maybe re- revisit them later and say, Hey, I'm going to leave, but I just wanted to come back and say hi again. And it was, you're just, you know, you're breathtaking or you're just quite interesting or you can find me on fat life or whatever, you know? Yeah. That's cute. Yeah. I would say for me, like, I definitely think I would come on, like, even if I wasn't interested in someone, like if someone approached me starting with like vulnerability. So whether that was a share about like the feeling they had, in approaching me. So whether that was like, Oh, I was kind of nervous to come up to you, or I was really excited to come up to you. Um, and then the, you know, then there's definitely the consent piece. I would say the consent of like, um, like you said, if you, I I would love to connect with you, or you seem like someone I would like to talk to or get to know, are you open to that? Or can, you know, if you are, I'll be over here. Um, and then I think the most important thing for me is also like the, the gracious ending. Like if there's not, if there's not a thing is to say, you know, thanks anyway, respect that. Um, I know it could be really hard to, you know, feel rejected, but I'm a big fan of the, uh, with the approach to the name it to tame it thing. So if you are nervous, if you are anxious, like 
say that, try that on. You could even say like, hey, I don't know your preferred way to be approached or if you want to be approached. So like name that thing first. And I'm much more likely to be open to receive it if someone starts with like a a vulnerable thing. Um, Because then I'm like, oh, this is a human trying to connect with me. Yeah. You know, what's interesting though, I'm going to be a little bit contrarian here and say that if, any, if it gets too vulnerable on the first approach, it sometimes feels like a lot of energy for me. Mm. So if someone's like, if someone's... Yeah, like, I mean, I don't want them to be like, hey, just so you know, I've been really depressed and I haven't left the house <laughs> in like a year and I was really scared to come up to you and just tells me the whole... I'd be like, okay, like not not consensual, right? Right, right. Like a, a, a phrase, but yeah, that, that's interesting, right? It's still different. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But I mean, I think, I mean, I, I think we're on the same page in terms of just saying like, like, you know, don't put on some big, like, front of, like, f- like, I used to work, I used to work with, I used to collaborate a little bit with pickup artists, which is a whole other conversation. And this, Oh, my God, you can't yeah, end on so, that. No, I know, we can't. Collaborating with the enemy. Well, but, but, I mean. But they but, need it. They need help to not just well, be, like, asshole, manipulative right. NLP so, guys. Right. So like in a, cause we're running out of time and yeah. in a nutshell, the thing that I did learn from them though, is that a lot of the guys who would pay thousands of dollars. to like learn from these guys, these pickup artists were just really, their social skills weren't great. They were yeah. just trying to figure out a way to not be so nervous approaching usually women. That's yeah. usually who they were approaching. And so, I mean, for me, I, my, my heart kind of went out to them because I'm like, okay, these guys are at least trying to learn something and there's really no other, where, where else are they going to learn this? Yeah. Sadly, the only option for them that's appealing in terms of marketing is pickup artistry. At the time, yeah. And so, right, at the time. And so when I went in, I was actually treated very well, a lot of respect. And so I went in and kind of gave them like, again, we're talking cishet men um, only exclusively. Yeah. Hey guys, like I'm the, the here's the, what someone the, should have taught you voice of reason. Right. And mm-hmm. so I'm just here to give you my perspective. And that actually was great. And that's why I yeah. collaborated because they're, they, they need it. Were, yeah. They were, and, and the pickup artists who just brought me in, I mean, they were on board with me sharing that. So it was actually really nice. And mm-hmm. I'm not talking about all pickup artists, by the way. And also it's very problematic in a lot of ways. So I just want to say that too, but at its base- But I like that you acknowledge that it's coming from a place of people who are struggling and want to connect and are trying to find the best way to do that. And sometimes it's not. (laughs) And I mean, again, it just, for me, it's just like a feeling of, then there just needs to be more options for specifically for men. Yeah, totally. We need more options for them because we can't just, I mean, again, we're ending the show and I opened a big topic, but we can't just end- we can't just let be pissed that dudes aren't learning if there's, if there's no, no resources and systemic issues. Yeah, it's exactly. a systemic thing. Exactly. And so I don't have the answers to all of that, mm-hmm. but I really, I think we all need to be teaching and learning always. So. Hey listeners, Nicoletta here. I want to invite you and a partner or lover to join me on September 24th and 25th for a two-day partner-based retreat at a private seaside ranch in Malibu. You can find all the details and tickets at thepleasureconnection.eventbrite.com. This retreat is designed for partners wishing to enhance pleasure in the bedroom and beyond, and it is specifically created for folks who are struggling to start or restart the conversation around sex, intimacy, and desire. No experience is required, just will Willingness for more. I'm hosting with two other pleasure experts, the canisexual Ashley Manta, as well as renowned behavioral therapist Lisa Rader. We know that most of us are not taught how to have great sex, but practice makes pleasure. Come join us to learn the skills to enhance pleasure and intimacy in your relationship. 
Only 14 couples will be invited, so come secure your spot today at thepleasureconnection.eventbrite.com. The discounted rate is available for the first three couples only, or find details on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars. That's thepleasureconnection.eventbrite.com. Thepleasureconnection.eventbrite.com. Hope to see you there. Well, if folks listening would like to learn from you, how can people get in touch, hire you, um, and very politely not message you their butthole Uh, pictures uh, yeah that's not the way to do it (laughs) um yes so i you can find me on my website thedatingadvicegirl.com my other website for intimacy coaching and intimacy coordination is erin tillman.com um for my full name.com i'm also very 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 active on instagram at dating advice grl so at dating advice girl exactly so that's where you can find me Thanks so much for joining again, listeners. If you want to follow what I'm doing, I'm on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars, on Twitter at Slut Scholars. You can listen anywhere you get your podcasts, including slutsandscholars.com. Please remember to rate and review. It is very helpful. And check out those advertiser discounts that have been curated for you. Thanks so much. Thanks so much.